Hi, everyone. It's Mark Stenson and my co-host, Kirsten Gouldy. This is the podcast in Telekey Leadership Stories. How are you doing, Kirsten? We're great, aren't we, Mark? We're doing so good today. How could it not be going great when we talk about IntelliKey? That's you know, seeking and rising and fulfilling our soul's purpose, both in our jobs and our companies and in our lives. And we have another guest today who's just going to be elevating that conversation by her own experience. We have Kristen Molnar. Her company is Yes Boss, and she is one of these young, conscious thinking entrepreneurs that we just love to talk to. Kristen, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with both of you. Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Kirsten, we've just been talking with some great leaders lately. Oh, Mark, we've had such great conversations and it's so inspiring because the change is coming. The change is coming. We do get a sense of this wave of more conscious, we've called it, but others have said socially responsible or globally minded leadership. And so we're just so happy to have as one of our guests today, Kristen Molnar. Her company is Yes Boss, one of those companies that has a bigger vision and a bigger purpose. Kristen, we're just so glad to have you on the program. And as we get into this idea of entrepreneurship, you've certainly, as many of us entrepreneurs have, you, you've had your own journey of starting companies, pivoting companies, rebuilding companies. Tell us a little about your company and how you got to where you are today. Oh gosh, how much of this journey do you want to hear? That's always the question going on in my mind. Oh yes. So where we are today, I'll start there. So Yes Boss is essentially a podcast booking agency. So our goal is to help our clients book more guest podcast features so that they can generate leads from that. So we focus on how to be a profitable podcast guest. But like you've alluded to, so many of us can relate to as well. And that is this company didn't always look like this. You know, I started Yes Boss after 14 months of entrepreneurial failure is what I called it. You know, I left my last corporate job in late 2014 and just wanted to build a business on my expertise. So I had experience in the beauty industry, thought that I could help people, you know, with coaching and consulting in that arena. But what I quickly learned was what made me a fantastic employee did not translate into a fantastic entrepreneur. (laughs) It, It was just like night and day difference. And I just needed to learn everything all over again. And after, you know, really financially struggling for that four, first 14 months, I decided to become a virtual assistant. I realized that that was a good way to just learn about entrepreneurship. It was a good way to get a paycheck and not have to go back to a regular job. So I got my first virtual assistant gig really because I think like an entrepreneur, I I assume that that's what I'm crediting it to because I think like an entrepreneur, I really saw that that first virtual assistant client, I could treat it like a business. And essentially I grew it into a virtual assistant agency. And we've gone through a few pivots since, you know, early 2015 to what we are now, but essentially they've been pivots in, in alignment with growing an online agency. Uh, Very good. And so you also have a chance to work with a lot of entrepreneurs then. I do. Uh, what what are some of the things that you're seeing that they're you know, winning and what are some of the wins and losses, I guess, you're relating to when you work with them? 
So one of the things that really sticks out to me and, you know, from it, I've really built my own mantras, well, built my own mantra, adopted a mantra, and that is work less, make more. I think that a lot of people see that as this as like a catchy saying, but I actually think it's a methodology that has been what defines the stark difference between the businesses that I did that were failures and the business that I've done that has been a success. And so to kind of explain that, you know, I think that as entrepreneurs, we fall into the temptation to do all the things. So either all the marketing, you know, a hundred different marketing channels to try to get out there and become visible, or maybe it's a hundred different things to serve your clients. And so on the back end or in fulfillment, you're doing everything. I think that a lot of that leads to a lot of burnout. And what I have found for myself and also for our clients is that when you're able to figure out what works, so how do you attract, how do you nurture, how do you sell, how do you fulfill and retain, like those buckets of, of business, how do you do those in the most simple way possible and then be willing to just cut all the rest of the fluff? I found that that is really what leads to the, the easiest business growth. And then also for me, just like an alignment of of entrepreneurship and the life that I really set out to create for myself. You know, I wanted freedom in my life and by choosing to not do all the extras, I've been able to have not only the financial success that I need to support my family, but also the freedom that a lot of people think is a pipe dream for someday. And it's fascinating because, you know, I'm listening to you talk and many people leaving corporate, we, we've had those bruises and those pains. It's because of the burnout there, or that's a portion of it, I shouldn't say. And you're talking about now creating a more fulfilled life, a balanced life in there is because I do a lot of work with people on body, mind, and soul, right? The whole person needs to be addressed, not just the business aspect. And I think our previous guest talked to that a little bit, the importance of caring for the body, caring for the mind, caring for the soul. And we need downtime. That's where our creativity comes from. And entrepreneurs are sparked by creativity. That's what makes an entrepreneur brilliant. But when you're burnt out and you're tired from working too much, you miss the opportunity to have that creative input. And Mark, you can speak to that also. You know, working corporate nine to five for someone else's vision is Mm -hmm. different than working nine to nine yeah, still work. It might be working longer, but it's not working harder. But as you improve, it does. I mean, are you finding you're working less, enjoying more? I well, yes. On a practical level, I am working less. But I also wanted to kind of dovetail on some of the things you all brought up. That difference between working for somebody else and working for yourself. There is a bandwidth issue that people don't talk about, and it doesn't have to be an issue. But when I say bandwidth. You know, when you work for somebody else, there are a certain number of tasks that need to be checked off the list from nine to five. There, you're not, for the most part, unless you're in a high, higher level leadership, like you're not for the most part dictating what those things are. So there isn't that creative energy that your brain needs to function those tasks. And one of the things that I noticed for myself is I took that same expectation to my entrepreneurship you know, journey and said, you know, okay, I have six hours to sit here and get work done. And I expected six hours worth of output. But the reality is 
the bandwidth of entrepreneurship is so much different. You need those breaks for your brain to be able to think in the creative way in that vision casting way that entrepreneurship requires. And unfortunately, I don't feel like many people are talking about it. And so many of us are getting down on ourselves. Like, I don't know, I sat at my computer, you know, for 12 hours today and I only did X. And the reality is there's so much time that you need to, that your most valuable work as an entrepreneur is spent thinking that that's part of our work is just thinking and allowing ourselves to be creative. And I think we need to see that as work. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, you know, and now we're talking about this body, mind, soul, and maintaining your soul's health. Uh, Do you have daily practices that keep you fresh, but also remind you of that deeper heart-centered drive that you have? I did until I became a mom. I want to so badly tell you yes. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't used that to... be a pretty picture? <laughs> and here's the mom doing it all. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm not that Pinterest mom. I am not. And and no, there I don't anymore. I used to sit in my closet with a journal and my Bible and just like that was the first thing I did in the morning before I touched anything. You know, that same practice has moved to nights and sometimes I'm like, I just need to go to bed and I don't get to it. But I do think as like a general rule, not so much a daily habit, but a general rule, what I have found is that my business needs to energize me because being a parent to a three-year-old energetically depletes me. Like I love my child, but anybody who has ever chased around a three-year-old know that that knows that that energetically depletes you. So that's something that's always going on in my mind. Are the things on my to-do list, are the things I'm doing for my business, are those going to energetically fuel me so that I can tackle the rest of my life, you know, from a place of surplus rather than a place of depletion. It's so good. Kirsten, uh, when you when you talk to other entrepreneurs, other leaders, you know whether they be in a company or starting their own, are you hearing this kind of "Hey, how do I refill the tank"? What, what are without you a doubt, without mm-hmm. a doubt, and and I think any new parent, male or female, can relate to that three year old, right? Like that. I don't think there's a parent listening that would go, "Oh God, we can't relate," you know. So, um, and FYI, you know, just to help you, Kristen, uh, you'll be chasing around them when they're thirty as well. <laughs> so um, I'm just giving you some personal insight to let you know to stay engaged, uh, don't lose faith. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. You know, it's interesting because that is a great conversation. And yes, this is one of the largest struggles, regardless of children, no children. I mean, circumstances will always be. There's always circumstances that will take us away from self-care. For us to be at our highest output, and I, I equate this to the athlete. The best way I can say it is the athlete. If you look at a high-performing athlete, They train hard, they play hard, but they have a significant amount of downtime to recover and recoup. So their body can go back to training and then be at high performance. Why would we think we're any different? So if we're not enabling ourselves that time, and we always think, and it goes to that abundance mindset you were talking about, Kristen, we always think if I dedicate that time, that two hours to taking care of myself, my food, my body, my mental health, my soul health, it's going to distract from the abundance in my business. But this speaks to that work better, not harder. You actually deliver less because you are depleted than if you had a full cup at high performance. You get the work done quicker. 
your thoughts come faster, your aptitude, your agility. It really is a performance conversation. This is high performers, executive CEOs, athletes. They have to have this conversation. You've brought up so many points that I'm over here taking mental notes because I mean, I've heard high performance and people talking about athletes and high performance, but something about the way you just said it right now just drives home that point for me that any time away from my desk, that in addition, you know, I think about my work energetically filling me up, but the time away from my desk when I'm, you know, not momming or when I am self-care thinking about that in the same way so that I can bring also the energy surplus into my business and how that can magnify there as well. That's, that's a really good point. I love that. I just love the comments that you have about it. It's super helpful for me too. And you're in the business of helping other entrepreneurs. You're helping them be more productive and generate more leads and so forth, whatever it takes for them to build their businesses. Yep, exactly. Exactly. We want to, you know, the mission for me is really that, you know, my mantra work less, make more is something that I'm also wanting to provide to our clients. So we provide a done for you service, but then it's also something internally where we're, we're having conversations about like the quality of, you know, work-life balance for the people that work for me and their happiness and creating roles around like what they like to do and what energetically fills them up. So for me, it really is this holistic approach of how do we serve from me to clients to team, all of that. Yeah. I'm really thinking about it in full scope. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you are because Kirsten referred to one of our past guests and we're, we're kind of like talking with a inside joke if we don't give you more insight as to what they said. But this idea uh, of one of the guests was there's a me and then there's, of course, the we and the leader is responsible for you know both of those things. And then there's that bigger kind of social impact. But then uh, one of our other guests was former military, and there was very much a, I'm looking at the left and right of me and my brother and sister, and in this moment, you know, and especially if it's a crisis, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And it's really what you just spoke to. We're, I'm in it for the people who are working with me, and I'm in it for the people we're working for. You know, it's just interesting. You're intuitively seeing, I need to take care of all of that. And that's a great business purpose. I yeah, think that and, I, and Mark, I would consider that a conscious leader. This I, is sometimes I, we don't have language to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're you're the embodiment. You're the essence of. And kick it off back to you for a moment, Kristen. But we, Mark and I have been sharing about the youth. The youth is just the embodiment of it. They don't need to be trained. They don't need to be educated or spoken to about what it means. Why to you conscious. need a purpose? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The you, your age group gets it. And that's what lights me up. That's why I have hope because you just naturally get it. Mark State spoke to that. So I wanted to thank you for that. Yeah. You know, for me, I intentionally went into leadership wanting to create good work environments for other people. So that was very intentional from the get-go. And that's because I came from the last job that I had uh, in late 2014. I loved my work, but my boss treated me pretty rough. Like I, I quit because of the person that I worked for. And I, I knew that like in my mind, it just sucked. <laughs> you know, it sucked to have to leave something that I really liked doing because of a person that made my life awful. And so it, ver- it became a very conscious decision. One of my motivations for being an entrepreneur was to create those work environments. But then as I have 
built my business, what I have noticed is pouring into my team like that, be, you know, making sure that my team knows that they are number one priority to me. As a result, my clients feel that same way. So at, from as the lead from the leadership perspective, my number one priority is my people. And then their number one priority becomes serving the clients. And that's also just allowed, allowed me to work less and make more, allowed the business to grow in ways that I could never have grown it. You know, I've brought my team really into like the vision of our company. And I think that that's a big part of leadership too, is don't treat the people working for you like taskmasters. Talk to them about the vision. Why are they doing what they're doing? You know, what are we going after here? You know, and I call it visionary leadership. And then what happens, what I've seen just in practice is my team comes to me with ideas like, hey, Kristen, have you, we thought about, you know, doing this thing for the client? Or do you notice this, you know, hiccup going on that we can improve internally with our processes? So it's been very cool for me to see that just inviting other people into the business has allowed the business to grow beyond what I could have ever done by myself. And I guess at the same time, it makes me sad when I see other people not realizing that their team could add so much value to what they do if they would just invite them into that vision. I am curious. I think I heard you say that you're really sharing or including the client's in the vision of providing a better work environment for your team. Did I hear that right? How are you, I guess, informing or how do the clients get a sense that this must be a great organization to work for and you're a great leader to work for? Gosh, you know, I have actually not thought about it from that perspective, but that's, put, that's like planted a seed for me. So the perspective that I have had is sharing the top level vision with clients and with other entrepreneurs in general that, you know, entrepreneurship doesn't have to be so hard that we should do less, be more focused in our work. I mean, the way that you guys talk about it is high performance. I talk about it more on like a, you know, check these, put these tasks on your to-do to list versus don't put these tasks on your to-do list. So that's like my client facing focus. And then my team facing focus is sharing, you know, this is what I'm telling the clients and we want to be supporting them in that. You know, the what you have said brings up something that has happened, you know, a couple times throughout the years. And that is when we have a client who is not treating my team like the way that I want my team to be treated. And then it usually becomes a conversation with my team member about how they need to set appropriate boundaries. And I always, I almost hate to say this like publicly, but I let my team know, you know, you're my number one priority, you know, fostering a good work environment for you is more important to me than making sure that we're continuing to collect money from people that are treating you awful. Your number one priority, you let me know if I need to step in. And I let people go that don't treat my team well. Because, you know, if as a leader, you can replace a client and that is less expensive than replacing somebody who has been burned internally. And if you replace a you know, somebody that's been burned internally, you're going to bring in somebody new that's going to still be burned internally because you didn't get rid of the source of the problem. So I guess for some reason I have just discovered or concluded that I would rather fire a client than fire somebody internally most of the time. Now I did have to learn how to hire stellar people and we have a rigorous hiring process and all that. But once somebody's proven themselves to me, they're in. Yes. Well, kudos to you because, you know, you read that in leadership books and in management books that, you know, don't let 
anybody treat your people wrong. If you take care of your people, they'll take care of the clients better. And it is rare that a leader will make that decision, but it's totally the right thing to do. And it usually, in the end, pays off, doesn't it? Kirsten, you had a thought. I did because finance, that, that's been my role, has been um, the CFO or the finance leadership position. The cost of hiring is very expensive. The ROI, the return on investment takes a long time to get that employee. So from the recruiting to bringing them in to the development. So when you start looking at the numbers of hiring an employee, it's very expensive. So there is a huge loss and then they begin to underperform. Once somebody has been treated poorly, their performance declines over time, especially if they're not supported. So well done. I mean, well done. That's to Mark's point. I love that you do that. Thank you. It's not always fun, but it's it's rewarding in the end, isn't it? It and is. I guess let's think about that long term. This is going to sound like an interview question, but let's say we're sitting here a year from now and uh, having this very same conversation. We say, hey, we've looked back over the year 2021, which we're all looking forward to. What do you see having accomplished in the ensuing year? What's ahead for you? I guess right now, a lot of what I'm seeing is we're doing a lot of internal shifting of moving people into some more operational roles. You know, with our pivot this year into just focusing on podcast guesting, it's made our fulfillment a whole lot more streamlined and it's highlighted ways in which people on my team that have only been doing for clients can now do for Yes Boss as a company. I would say I'm looking most forward to seeing, I guess what my team is going to be doing for Yes Boss that adds to some of our like marketing efforts because that's something that they've never really gotten involved in. And what's what's funny about that is I'm saying it kind of blindly because I only have general ideas of how they're going to start to get involved over the next year. I've just been kind of brainstorming with them and really just kind of planting seeds for them. Like, hey, here's some ideas of how we can get this moving even further, be looking for things that spark your interest that you want to take leadership of and move them forward. So I don't even know what that necessarily looks like, but I guess the overarching question and to concisely answer is to see how my team comes up with marketing strategies for all this. Cause I've been sales and marketing for five years. Well, it's so uh-huh. exciting. Well, we're really uh, appreciative of this conversation and you've gotten us excited. And <laughs> I think that's the kind of infectious that's part of conscious leadership, isn't it, Kirsten, that other people, I mean, what is the definition of a leader that you look back and there are other people following? And so I think you've really sparked a lot of leadership principles and a lot of good thoughts here. And we just can't thank you enough. I really appreciate you both saying that. I don't tend to talk about leadership when I record podcasts. And so just, I am equally humbled and proud of the fact that you guys feel that way about what I have to say about leadership. And I think I am most excited when I hear my team just say like, we just like working for the company. I think that's, that's the biggest win for me. That's huge. It's very rare to hear that. So that is huge. (laughs) And we we always laugh because, you know, you say, what are your KPIs or what are your management by objectives or what have you and indicators of conscious leadership? Because, oh, these soft skills, they're so hard to measure. And yet you've just described a behavior and a metric, you know, what percent of people really like working for the company really like working for the leader, really like serving the clients that we have. All of these are metrics of true, conscious and responsible and socially aware leadership. 
So, yeah, I wonder how many, I wonder if we can measure K, a KPI could be how many people internally are coming up with new objectives. Like I, I totally think so. And you've got uh, mind roll, my mind rolling on it. There you go. Well, let's get out the whiteboard and let's start writing this up. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to let the whole audience uh, stand by while we have this whiteboarding. But <laughs> well, there's a there's a really good like actionable thing. Like somebody listening, let me know. I want to know. I want to know what everybody's how they're measuring that KPI. That's good. I, that's okay. a, such a good question. I there should ask more leaders that. Well, if you're listening and you've seen this link on, because uh, we're going to post this, of uh, course, on LinkedIn and Facebook and everywhere else that our social uh, footprint takes us. So if you've got ideas for Kristen on how to put a metric next to employee contribution ideas and execution of sales and marketing ideas, please enter them in the comments, as we say. I love it. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> uh, thank you. Well, everyone, our guest has been Kristen Molnar. Her company is Yes Boss. Remind me of the website, Kristen. Where can we all find you? You can find the website, yesbossva.com. And I hang out personally on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, it's and it sounds like a service we all ought to be thinking about. If you've got uh, social media to manage, and certainly if you want to be a guest on more podcasts, and who doesn't? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great medium and we just love it. It's great. So Kristen Molnar, find her at yesbossva.com. And listeners, come back again for the next episode, because just like this one, we're going to get inspiration, we're going to get ideas, and, and we'll get really true stories and examples. I think that's what we're always looking for. How do we convert our beliefs into behaviors? How do we convert our values into action? And that's what IntelliKey leadership really is. It's not just saying, if we're good people, good things will come to us. Of course, we have to take the action and reach out and have the right people, have the right team. And Kirsten, I know these are the kind of leaders that you're talking to in your coaching practice on a regular basis, right? Oh, without a doubt. And I love the young leaders. Um, you know, we just started a master, I call it master soul, because we need it from the heart, leadership from the heart, not from the head. It has to start here. But we have a group of young professionals who are all about performance. And yet, they are committed to creating a better world. So it's beautiful. I love speaking to, you know, women and men like you, Kristen. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really fun chatting with both of you. I, I feel like I learned a lot. Well, that's, we, we know we did. So listeners, come back again <laughs> next time. We'll continue the conversation with more leaders, literally from around the world, and how they are putting their values into practice, reaching their own IntelliKey, both in their business and in their life. See you next time. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our websites, www.pureintellikey.com and www.mark-stenson.com. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.